need to do. Stand up, clap your hands. I don't know, give someone a high five. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I know God's not done with us yet this morning. John's got an awesome word. Let's give him a hand as he comes. <clears throat> Thanks, John. Oh, you got that. Good morning, everybody. Aren't families great? Is that getting a bit of feedback there? Yeah. I can't control that. Aren't, aren't families great things? Last night, you know, um, we were having dinner or getting ready to have dinner, and um, I made pumpkin soup actually. I make a pretty good pumpkin soup, I think. And, um, you know, like, go, Dad, you know, tomorrow you're preaching, go, Dad, no. Um, I like beans. <laughs> And um, we're all dishing up the pumpkin soup, you know, and I said, I'm going to put some beans in my pumpkin soup. I just love beans, you know. Dad, you're going to be farting out the front tomorrow. You know, Josh and Sarah are going to be, yeah, thanks, guys. Ha, ha, ha. You know, really, like, you know, so great encouragement. Great encouragement. Watch out, Josh and Sarah, you know. They just thought it was so funny. Now on a more serious note, um, yeah, let's, let's pray. Because um, we, we need God, <laughs> um, not beans. Father, Father God, we just thank you that um, you know, everything comes from you. You're the source of everything. You said, Jesus said to Peter, uh, feed my sheep. That's what I want to do this morning. God, I want to feed your people. And I can't do that on my own. Um, I really want you to speak through me to bless to minister, to feed your people here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the key verse is Romans 12, 2. If we could get that up, please, Patty. Okay, so do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and it's more that first bit, yeah, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. But it's, as Christians, not being... Um, conformed to the pattern of this world being transformed by renewing our minds. Um, and the pattern of this world is, is really talking about the world system, the way the world thinks, the way the world operates. Um, you know, because God doesn't control all of that. In a sense, it's almost more like Satan does, you know. So the world's values, the way the world thinks about stuff, um, we're not supposed to be conformed to that, even though in a sense we are. Um, in diff to different degrees, but we're supposed to be transformed by renewing our mind. You know, renewing our mind by reading this sort of stuff, you know, knowing this, because the Holy Spirit can take this and bring it out at certain times and go, yeah, yeah. And it's not just memorising it, it's the Holy Spirit taking scriptures and then, you know, bringing revelation to your mind and going, yeah, you know, that's not God's viewpoint. God's viewpoint is this on, on, on anything, you know. So we need... We need to know that, but we also need to know the Holy Spirit too because the Holy Spirit will use that. The Holy Spirit will use other things to help us be renewed in our minds. And when you first become a Christian, I became a Christian at the age of 27, so I brought a whole lot of world thinking yeah. you know, in me and God had to renew my mind, renew my mind. No, that's not the way you think. That's not the way you think. This is the way you think. You know? And we're all in that process. Every one of us is in this process of transformation, going from that. And, and, and school, in a way, is kind of, you know, it's kind of 
it, it can be so worldly. It can so ingrain people into thinking um, the way the world thinks. I had this experience. I, I don't know what it's like where you go to school. I went to school with about 1,200 people in Sydney and, uh, you know, had good and bad elements. But I remember that the culture for guys was knocking each other and putting each other down and one-upmanship, you know, and, and like, you know, it wasn't what the scriptures say about speaking life. It was really like being cool and speaking death almost to one another. And I remember when I went to university, um, I, I hung out with this guy who'd probably gone to a better school than me. Um, he might have come from a Christian family. And he made a comment about my one-upmanship, the way I spoke. And I'll never forget it to this day because I had just been so ingrained by the world's thinking, by what I'd grown up with at school about, you know, sarcasm and putting people down and stuff like that. And it wasn't... It wasn't God's way at all, you know. I don't do that anymore. In fact, I really try to speak life. You know, but, it's, but the point I'm trying to make is sometimes the environment we grow up in, the home we grow up in, the school we go to, a lot of things out there are conditioning us to, to speak death, to think death, you know. Um, um, even I'm going to talk about television. Um, a lot of television shows, um, if you listen to the language, particularly some of the stuff that comes out of America, some of the sitcoms, it's just so narky, so nasty, so negative, you know, so putting people down. And it's funny in some ways, but it's kind of a bit sad too, you know. And if, when you think about renewing your mind, um, you know, the, the scriptures, um, so Ephesians, I think the right one is it? Um, oh, actually, yeah, Ephesians 5, 3 to 5. Could we have that one? Ephesians 5, 3 to 5. I know I'm going to jump around a bit. Is that messing with you? But, okay, so, so let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Uh, you can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ. For a greedy person is all the worshipping things of this world. Um, there's another bit too, but it just talks about that our words should edify. We'll get to that. So our words should speak life to people, not death to people. So I want to focus on a few areas. The first area is, is um, t television, movies, music, um, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we all live in a culture where um, that this stuff is sort of all around us. You know, we, we're, sort of, we're sort of soaking in this, in a sense. If you, look at, if you imagine the timeline of history as being, say, that line there of, of um, lights, then, you know... Television and the media as we know it today is probably just a spot on the last light. Yeah. So we're living in a world where we think this is just the norm, but really it's just the very tail end, the you know, very tail end of history in a sense. Uh, in the past, people were not exposed to so much influence, you know, um, and if you lived somewhere, you might never have any influence apart from your immediate family and maybe your neighbours. But now... Everyone is sort of inundated with opinions that come from everywhere and anywhere and certainly in many cases not from God and not from people who, who care about God or want to know about God, you know, don't want to borrow God, in fact. So even, even if you think of movies and TV shows, some of the people that are, that are producing that stuff don't talk to me about God. I don't want to know about God. Their value system, their whole worldview is totally opposed to God, but they're producing a TV show or a movie... Um, that is really, we're sitting back, and of course when you watch TV and movies, the brain activity um, is a bit like a meditative state, 
So in actual fact, our brain waves change when we relax and watch TV, and we're much more receptive, um, impressionable to, to influence. So we're actually less objective, less... Re when you read, if you read something, a different act brain activity, more rational activity, more, oh yeah, I don't know about that. But when you're watching TV, you're much more impressionable. So you're much more likely to soak stuff in and be shaped by what you're hearing. Yeah. All right. When, back, go back, going back 35 years ago, I had a mate, his name was Peter Menzies Jr. His dad's name was Peter Menzies. He was Peter Menzies Jr. And um, Pete was the only person I know, knew at that time, this is going back 35 years, who was earning what they call a six-figure income. So he was earning lots of money. To give it a bit of perspective, I had a, quite a good job at the time and I remember I was earning $17,000 a year in a, in a fairly decent job. This guy was well over $100,000. That was a lot of money back in that time. The average wage might have been, I don't know, $15,000 or something. So what did Pete do? I'm not going to tell you yet what he did, but it was, he wasn't a drug dealer. <laughs> um, many, many times with our kids uh, over the years, because... Some of you know, like eight kids, um, some of them, well, the oldest is 27, so sort of been through various phases of childhood, teenagehood, all that sort of stuff. You know, as they got into teens and older teens, or even in mid-teens, whatever, sometimes they'd be watching a movie or a show, and I would say, I don't think that's good, you know, we're a Christian family, whatever, or I'd just say, I don't think that's a good thing for you to be watching. And invariably, the response would be, it has no effect on me. It doesn't matter. I just watch it. It's cool. It's all right. It doesn't influence me. It doesn't affect me. Okay? And that was totally what they believed. And probably there's people sitting here now and think, I can watch whatever I like. It doesn't affect me. You know, it doesn't have any impact on me. All right. Pete Menzies Jr. would get flown to Tahiti to do a Coke ad, or he'd get sent to Europe to do an ad for something else. So a whole bunch of people, they'd put him in a plane, fly him to Tahiti. He'd get ridiculous amounts of money for two weeks of work in Tahiti filming a Coca-Cola ad. Coca-Cola's not stupid. Ads run for 30 seconds. Why would they pay millions of dollars for a 30-second slot that doesn't change your behaviour? I mean, it's, it's a dead truth. It's, it's just so obvious that if 30 seconds can and does shape people's behaviour, then how much more a television show that you sit there for an hour every week, or a movie. Now, I'm not getting all religious on you because, see, in the Old Testament, you had laws, right? God said, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. In the New Testament, under the New Covenant, we have the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we don't have God saying to us, thou shalt not watch this show or that movie or something because it's R-rated or it's M15+. The Holy Spirit should be able to get through to us and say, I don't think that's really good for you. Or if you're a parent, I don't think that's really good for your kids who are le have less discretion generally, you know. That's where we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit too. That's where we've got to be listening to the Holy Spirit and going, yeah, I don't think that's really good, you know. Because the world, 15 years ago, for the last 15 years I've gone to, well, actually in Sydney there's no more video shops because it's all online now. But down here there is one. I went into this one down here just a couple of weeks ago. But for about 15 years, you know, I'd go to video shops and pick up a video or a DVD for the family to watch. Honestly, 15 years ago, it was a lot easier to walk in there and find something that was okay for a family to watch. I walked into the one here just the other day and like, I'm thinking, what am I, I going to watch? Everything's like, you know, strong violence, strong horror, strong sex scenes, 
Um, you know, and again, I'm not getting religious on you because, you know, you can watch whatever you like. But you've got to think about the influence of that stuff, you know, because we call that entertainment. Can you imagine Jesus and the boys sitting around and, and, and um, Thomas going, well, that's an interesting position. I don't know if we ever tried that one. <laughs> I mean, being a bit crude here, but, you know, like that, it's, not, it's not really, you know, is it entertainment? Yeah. Is that entertainment? We do, you know, this is the culture that we live in, that, you know, this is the world view. This is the world we live in. Okay, let's get a bit more, um, just want to go a bit more spiritual on this. Um, some stuff has quite a strong... Um, I should get my watch so I keep track of time. Some stuff has quite a strong spiritual base. So a lot of people may disagree with me with it, on this one, but if you think of things like um, witchcraft, the scriptures are really, really clear that God hates witchcraft. Um, where's that? I've got this verse. Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 12. Could I have that one, Pat, please? Deuteronomy 18, beautiful. When you're in the land the Lord your God is giving you, be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter. By the way, that sacrificing son or daughter, gee, that sounds weird, but you know that happens today. That still happens. There's, there's witches around and warlocks that practice this stuff in 2017. Do not let your practice, people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery, which is witchcraft, or interpret omens uh, for cast spells, uh, you know, mediums, etc or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Now, this stuff does happen. When I lived in Sydney, when, in my early days as a Christian, I had friends who'd come out of... Well, I met people who'd come out of witchcraft and stuff like that. And, you know, that stuff is real. It it's happens. It's really scary. The fact that they talked about the effect that it had on them, how hard it was to break out of it, what they experienced trying to get out of that stuff was just huge, huge, you know, a spiritual attack. To escape from that. So this stuff happens, but God hates it, right? And yet there's a lot of television shows. I mean, I know some people are going to disagree with me, but um, even things like the whole Harry Potter thing, yeah, it's kind of, it's nice, you know, but its basis is witchcraft and sorcery and spells. That's the base of it. Um, here's an example. One of our, one of our kids um, came to us one time and she said, um, I'm getting freaked out in my bedroom. There's just like... I sense something going on at night time. She's here. And, um, and she said, you know, it's just like, um, it, I can't get to sleep. I feel like there's, you know, something, it's really scary. It was really freaking her out. Um, and so I walked into the room and, and she was into Vampire Diaries. And there's all the pictures, all Twilight, Twilight, thank you, Twilight, <laughs> sorry. And uh, so there's all these Twilight pictures, which is all about vampires and stuff like that, all around the room. And I prayed in the room, and I believe the Holy Spirit said to me, it's that stuff. It's all that stuff on the wall. So I said, you need to get rid of it. She did, praise God. She took it all down, and it all went. It all stopped. Um, another example along those lines, well, another one of our kids, an older one, um, her boyfriend gave her a, a, um, a hard drive full of movies. So this is just recently. This was just last year. So she's watching these movies and one of, them, or one of the shows was a thing called Walking Dead. I didn't even know anything about it. But I walked in, you know, and uh, just noticed I was literally standing there for about 10 seconds and I said to her, I don't think that stuff's good. Um, I don't think you should be watching that. I don't really want it in our house, you know. Well, she, she kept watching it a bit. She still kept watching I mean, when kids get, you know, when kids get older, they make their own minds up. You know, you can't... So she kept watching it. We started, I started having nightmares. I started sensing at night time like demonic presence in the house. 
100%. When she stopped watching it, it all went. So there is a spiritual basis to this stuff that we need to be really careful about as Christians too. Um, because not everything is innocent out there, you know. And, and if you're bringing that stuff into your home or your kids are bringing that stuff into your home, be careful because that can change the whole atmosphere of your house and it can invite demonic presence into your house. I know that sounds a bit out there, but I believe 100% that that is true, that some stuff can actually invite the devil into your home. Um, we, pray a lot of worship, we play a lot of worship music in our house. And pretty much a lot of the time, you know, praise and worship, we like it. But also people come into our house and they say, a lot of kids have said this, your house feels really peaceful. It feels really nice when we come into your house. And I think it's, that's because of, you know, there's, we don't particularly avoid watching garbage, but also because we have this worship sort of going a lot of the time. And it does change the atmosphere of your house. And people notice it when they walk in, they feel it when they walk into the house. So, um, yeah. Look, another one, um, PlayStations, Xbox, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is really violent, highly violent. I remember looking at a catalogue of the latest PlayStation games. And I looked at it and I thought, everything on there is like M15+, plus. everything's violent. Is there anything that's not? I mean, there was a couple of car things that weren't. And I kind of felt sorry for, for, for young kids because it's sold, almost marketed as a toy, you know. But if, why does everything have... Because it sells, that's why. Because it's money, it's all money-driven. The whole media industry is money-driven, you know, it is. There's vested interests that are going to say, don't worry about it, it's fine, it's cool. But it's not. As Christians, we need to be, as the scriptures say, as wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. We've got to be aware of this stuff because the devil has an agenda. And it's not just targeted at Christians, it's targeted at everybody. But if Christians are not wise to it, what's, you know, the world, we're not going to be salt and light to help the world, you know. So I'm not anti-PlayStation, I'm not anti-Xbox, um, but a lot of the stuff is violent, a lot of the stuff is sexualised, and, you know, it's really... Does God want to spend half our life sitting in front of a screen playing an Xbox, playing, killing people? You know, taking that one step further, there's a thing called systematic desensitisation. Um, so something I learned about when I was at university. And if people get exposed to a stimuli enough times they become desensitised to the stimuli. You can use it to help people get over phobias or fears, right? But statistically, like the average child when they reach the 18 have seen something like 15,000 murders and so many thousands of sex scenes and all this sort of stuff. Um, playing some of those games, watching some media, you're, you're bombarding yourself with so much stimuli that is not of God that is not God's heart for us, and it does desensitise people to the point where you don't feel anymore. In fact, the, the scripture, um, I should look at my thing here where I put all my scriptures to remind me where it was. I think it's Ephesians 4, which was it? Um, 4, 17 to 19, please. Ephesians 4, 17, beautiful. So tell you this, insistent in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, that's the critical point, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves their sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. Thanks, Patty. So, you know, that can literally happen where you lose sensitivity to evil. 
by being, and, and I think the devil has an agenda here too, that he wants people to lose that sensitivity so that people no longer go, oh, that's not right. You know, that doesn't feel right. That's immoral. That's, that's wrong. Um, you know, that, he wants people to lose that so that they'll just accept anything and everything and no longer feel troubled when they see something that is immoral or, or violent or just wrong, you know. Um, and so certain media can do that. Exposing yourself to too much media like that can actually change, and you, you probably don't even realise that you, you're just going to shift your whole, you know. Um, that Dr Carolyn Leaf, she's a Christian scientist, does a lot of stuff on the brain. She, you know, a lot of the research now is talking about what they call the neuroplasticity of the brain, where the brain can actually change, so your brain can be reshaped, you know. Um, and that can be quite scary because they're even saying now that that could be genetically passed on. So you can actually affect your kids even in a negative way by what you have soaked in, you know, positive or negative. And it works positively. So if you surround yourself, you know, you've got that, those scriptures in Philippians that say think on good stuff, think on positive stuff, think on truth. So when you think on those positive things, which God says to do, that can actually change your brain, possibly even change your kids' brains. You know, and the reverse is true, where you, you, you know, if you're filling your mind with negativity and evil and darkness, you know, what hope have your kids got? You know, so this is stuff that we need to be aware of. Okay, let's um, move on from there, talk about um, social media. So I'm not anti-social media, but again, look at, say, Facebook, the origins of Facebook. It started out as Face Mash in 2003. What it was all about was Mark Zuckerberg and his mates uh, who's the hottest chick on campus, comparing photos of the faces, which he hacked into the school database, shouldn't have done that, ripped out all these pictures of girls, stuck them all up on this online thing, and basically students at Harvard were going, she's hot, she's not, she's hot, she's not, comparing some of them to animals. Um, it was pretty crude and it was highly, it was just hot or not, that was what it was all about. Facebook's not bad, and we can use Facebook for good or for evil. But it wasn't designed by God, you know. So we, we have to be wise, again, wise as serpents. Instagram. If Jesus was on Instagram, it wouldn't be all about me. It wouldn't be selfies. It wouldn't be, here's me and the boys on the Sea of Galilee chilling, you know. Pete, smile this time. Smile, you know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be that, um, in a sense. It would probably be more... <laughs> stupid face, Thomas. Stupid face. Um, it would be more about, you know, others. It would be about, you know, here's me feeding the 5,000 or... Uh, <laughs> raising Lazarus from the dead. Um, you know, um, blind Bartimaeus. You, know, just, you can just picture blind Bartimaeus calling Jesus. Jesus, hang on, Bartimaeus, hang on. Text me. Um, you know, so people, so, you know, I mean, all these things you can use for good or evil. Um, and we have to be, again, wise about this. And wise for our children's sake or our family's sake because social media, you know, social media, the thing that scares me about it, having teenage children too is that um, it's become highly sexualized. And that is a perception that for some young people, um, like when you shift, you know, you shift your thinking of a society so they start to think that's the norm. But if you look at like Instagram, 
and you look at like you look at something like what Ryan does, and it's all beautiful, you know, it's all like amazing pictures of God's creation. But if you look at a lot of profiles out there, a lot of stuff is quite sexualized. But people are going to think, oh well, that's just your opinion, John. But if you if you went back 25 years ago, people would say that was society's opinion that that sort of stuff was inappropriate. Even Annabelle made the comment about um, you know swimmer ads and how they're sort of um, they're really sexualized. But a lot of stuff on social media is you know it's all about me and it's all about particularly for girls it's all about sort of sexualized positions and sexualized clothing or lack thereof you know not necessarily people here but in the world yes in a high school for example yes a lot of the images are quite sexualized and that's that's hard because for young people they're, they're then thinking if i'm not skinny if i'm not you know wearing my underwear or bikini if i'm not exposing my body if i'm not looking like i'm just about to have sex with someone maybe there's something wrong with me you know, and that's, that's really hard for young people because, you know, what, what happens if you're born genetically fat or just predisposed to be, you know, have not the perfect figure? God still loves you. You're still perfect in God's sight, you know. That's so destructive in a way because everybody, you know, unless you've got this perfect, you know, sort of physique, you're just not going to fit, you know. So we need to be aware of this stuff too. It's, it's you know, quite serious. Um, I've looked at some profiles and it's all about, all the pictures are all creating this really idealised picture of life too. So for some people, you know, all you will see is pictures of them looking their best, wearing the right clothes. Not, I'm not talking about here in church maybe, you know, us. Uh, wearing the right clothes, in the right places, with the right shopping bags, with the right car, with the right food. The life of a celebrity, the life of a person that's got a million dollars in their pocket and they are just the perfect person. But you never see pictures of them when they've just vomited or they're hung over or they've got face covered in zits or those, you know, like 20 selfies, this is the best one. This is the one you see. It's so unrealistic, you know. And it's all about me. The scriptures are not all about me. They're all about Jesus. They're all about others. So again, I'm not condemning social media. We can use it, you know, it's great. But we have to be wise and wise for our family's sake or our youth's sake, you know, that this is not the reality. This is not the world. This is not God's world. This is Satan's, you know, Satan steering things for his purposes. Yeah. All right. Um, Where am I going from here? Okay. All right. Now we're really going to get into the serious stuff. Um, There's... And, and um, I get newsletters from Eternity Magazine, which is a Christian magazine. Recently, I got one about um, the elephant in the church. Uh, what's the elephant in the church? Something that's big, but everybody's ignoring it. The elephant in the church is pornography. And statistically, porn is pretty much almost as much in the church as out of the church. Which is, which is a scary thing. And it's a thing that we don't talk about, but we should talk about it because we want to know truth about these things and not just, you know, oh, well, whatever, I don't really want to talk about this, I don't want to talk about it in church, I don't want anyone to talk about it, it's private. Well, it's good to be informed, it's good to be informed. Um, I, rem- I, was at, I used to teach at TAFE years ago. I remember um, one, one of the classes I was teaching was um, so kids could do like a, a, a TAFE-level competency 
at school, but they'd come in at times, you know, to, to do some training. And this group of kids, they probably year 10 kids, walked in one time. This kid just sat down, turned around. First thing he said to me is, how do we get on the porn on these computers? First thing, I never met the kid before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yusuf's nodding his head, nodding his head. Yeah, 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 I understand, I understand. Another, another class I had in TAFE, these two guys that were mates, they were in their early 20s. And um, one of them was really fit. They were both great guys. I got to know a lot of the students, um, you know, over the years. And um, this one, he said to me about the other guy, he said the other guy was sort of down, a bit depressed, wasn't very fit, um, you know. And he, he talked about, he said, you know, my mate, he said he used to be like sports hero at school. He was super fit, um, super into sports. Then he got into porn. For the last several years, he's been just so into porn and it's just changed him completely. Um, just not the same person anymore. So, you know, that, that was sort of practical examples, um, you know, that I, that I experienced um, when I was young. And again, we're going back on that timeline, just a dot. When I was a teenager, it did, there was no access to pornography, right? The only thing, if you, if you wanted anything porn, I mean, now it's everywhere. It's everywhere. On your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. It's, it's, ev- it's so, so accessible. But when I was growing up, which is not long, that, that long ago, you know, really. Okay, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> but on the timeline of life, it's a dot. You know, it's, it's a dot. Um, when I was growing up, the only access you had to pornography would be like Playboy, Penthouse, at the newsagents. So they'd have a little section right down the back corner. They'd be in plastic bags. So, you know, you'd rock into the newsagent. You'd be looking for a car magazine or something. You'd walk down the aisle and you'd go, that's not the car magazines, is it? <laughs> No, no, that's not the coming. You know, but that was, that was about it. That was about as far as it went. And you'd never buy one because the girl at the counter was the same age and you'd feel like, a, a, I'm going to buy this, and she'd, no way. It was just embarrassing. So, so really, you grew up in a world where you sort of had no contact. In fact, a mate of mine stole two porn magazines and that's the closest I ever came to them. And he only stole them because he was afraid to take them to the counter and buy them. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? I didn't grow up as a Christian. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, that, that stuff was not accessible, which was kind of good because these days, just this week, and I told, talked to my wife about this last night, just this week, I like mind map software, so my whole sermon is like a mind map. Um, but I was looking for some mind map software. Um, the best, I just did a research, you know, on Google. I said, what's the best mind map software? So I get to this website and it's reviewing eight mind map softwares, right? But on the right-hand side, you know where they sell advertising? A lot of websites do this. Dating, an Asian dating site, a Russian girl dating site, another Russian girl dating site. So I'm trying to look at the mind map software. And there's these pictures there of these girls that are wearing not a lot, you know. And I'm thinking, I don't need this. You know, I just want to work out what's the best mind map software. So... Translate that to a 16-year-old boy doing research, you know, for his homework, and bang, there's all this stuff. Go, click on it. Let's go and have a look, you know. So easy, so accessible. Um, If you watch, and I recommend anyone to go and watch this video that Eternity magazine has put together, just Google Elephant in the Church Eternity, and you'll find it. A 30-minute, roughly, video. Um, All these experts... um, all these experts 
like Christian psychologist, Christian sexologist, um, a youth worker that was heavily addicted to porn in the past, um, several other people, you know. What was that? Oh, <laughs> sorry. His, na- his name wasn't Dean. Um, and <laughs> and um, the stuff that they talk about is really, really good, really, really good. But when you, when you look at the psychological effects that porno- watching pornography has, it's actually really, really alarming. It's really scary because what it does is it actually shrinks um, a certain lobe on your brain that's parafrontal brain or some parafrontal lobe or something. So watching it a lot, it shrinks this lobe. It does all these other things. So it doesn't, it's not just something that you can look at and walk away and, not be, the, and be the same again. The more people look at it, the more it changes their brain. Um, it also does other stuff like, you know, watching it sends um, dopamine and serotonin to the midbrain. So it produces this shot of, of pleasure which God intended to come about in the context of a relationship, man and a woman, so a love relationship. So, you know, it's all to do with attraction and bonding and all that sort of stuff. But what porn does is it sends out masses in a very short period of time because people expose themselves to lots of images in a short period of time. And it bombards the receptors and the receptors start to to change and it actually changes the way your brain works to the point where you start... To, well, it can, it, it, can, it can have all these effects. It can have these effects where you're no longer attracted to a woman who's wearing clothing anymore. You're no longer attracted to your wife or your spouse. Um, all sorts of other stuff. It's, it's really huge. Like, it is just huge, the psychological and the physical effects that looking at this stuff can do. And because, I'm saying this because there may be no one in this room that is affected by this, but guarantee there will be people, and there could be, statistically there could be people in this room, let's be honest. Um, But also, you're going to contact people that are going to be struggling with this, and and in a big way, um, you know, it's good to be aware of it. It is so good to be, even our kids, like, um, yeah, we we got a bit, um, we had, well, some of our kids struggled with this, to be honest, they did. And, um, you know, that was a real struggle for them because they were teenage boys and the internet in the home. So I had to do stuff like install Norton Family, which is actually a great, great little thing. Um, and I installed that so I could keep track of what they were looking at. And then even had to do things like, even, even one of our older kids, you know, he said to me, he's really honest, he said, you know, our TV broke down at one stage and I'd, I'd sort of oh, I just had enough of the the garbage that was on TV, so I didn't replace it. So we had no TV for a long period of time. And he said to me, he said, oh, they thought that was terrible. Some of the kids thought that was terrible. Like, we were just the weirdest parents <laughs> on the planet because we didn't have TV. But Luke said to me, he said, you know, he said, I was, late at night, I was watching stuff on SBS and I shouldn't have been watching it. And he said, I was kind of glad when the TV broke down because I couldn't see it anymore. So, and, and, uh, one of our kids, another one, who would have been the most opposed to me saying, don't watch that, or we don't have a TV anymore, <laughs> he would have just thought we were just lunatics completely. That kid said to me just recently, he's in his mid-20s now, he said he was sitting at work in the lunchroom, all the guys there, TV on, a Bond ad comes on, Bond underwear, and he said, 
I just didn't, I didn't want to watch it. He said, you know, the way she was dressed and that. And he, he walked outside. And he said he now eats his lunch outside. And does he have a TV? He said, I've got a TV, but it's not connected. And he said, if I ever watch anything, I want to choose what I watch. And I'm not watching any rubbish. TV's rubbish. I'm not condemning TV, but there's someone who would have said, I'll watch anything, it's not going to affect me. And now he says, no, I understand where God's coming from. You know, I don't want, that. I don't want rubbish in my life. So, um, you know, and, and if in terms of, again, the accessibility of stuff like pornography, one of our kids, next, next door neighbour, five-year-old kid in a Christian home, introduced our son who was nine at the time to some stuff that was pornographic because maybe his father was watching it, I don't know. You know, that was a five-year-old boy in a Christian home watching something that was pornographic and showing one of our kids. So don't think it's not out there. It's everywhere. You know, it's everywhere and it's touching everyone and it's hugely damaging to people's brains and relationships. And, um, but there's a lot of people... There's the Braveheart Project, which is a Christian, young Christian guy set up to work with... A lot of people are doing stuff to work with this too, you know, so... There's a lot of things happening out there on a positive note. Um, yeah. When am I supposed to finish? Now? Five minutes ago? Five or ten minutes? Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, you know, this. Let me just think of where I'm going to go next. Yeah. There was an ad last year um, for, on TV for Volley Shoes. I don't know if any of you saw it. I only saw it because the Ace Australian Christian Lobby put up a thing and I get their newsletters opposing it and saying this ad shouldn't be there. And it was, it was just basically everyone in the ad, they were wearing nothing except volley shoes. <laughs> you know, and it was all teenagers too. And it was just, it was terrible because really it wasn't selling shoes, it was selling sex. But they know that if they sell sex, then they'll, people will buy the shoes. So, you know, smart thinking, it's all about the money. But, you know, thankfully, through the Australian Christian Lobby, that ad got taken off because they, they you know, did a whole thing of um, sign up and et cetera, et cetera, and they got the ad removed. So, yeah, look, um, a few more scriptures, I think, um, just to sort of start capping up. Um, Galatians 5, I think Adam used this one. Galatians 5, 20 to 23, please, thank you. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, uh, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again as I've before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just pause there for a moment. Um, so a lot of media, a lot of television, a lot of entertainment loves this stuff. You know, that's what it works on. It loves this stuff. Okay, next, thank you. Um, next one. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let's go to the, no, yeah, gentleness and self-control. There's no law against it. So, you know, what's of God emphasises that stuff. What's not of God emphasises the other stuff. You know, we, we, we need to be wise, as I said before, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. What we take in does have an impact, it does change us. Neuroplasticity, it actually changes our brains. You know, we're accepting things now that 50 years ago, mainstream society, 50 years ago would have said, no way, you know, that's not going on TV, that's not going out there. Now we've got the internet, 
and the internet is uncensored, so you can get whatever you like on the internet and even television. I can tell you in the years that I've been alive, is just shifting more and more and more away from this. So 50 years ago, most of society, their values aligned a lot more closely with the word of God. They did. I know. I'm old enough to tell you that. They did. You know, just one more example. Back these days, if teenage kids want to have sex and they're not from a Christian family, the parents, a lot of parents would just say, you know, your boyfriend can come and stay over. Your girlfriend, you can go and stay at your girlfriend's place or whatever. They just have sex at home. When I was growing up, mainstream society was much more aligned to this. So what guys did was they'd buy panel vans so they could have sex with their girlfriend in the back of the van. Now, I didn't have a panel van, but a station wagon. And um, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, should I? Um, there was no curtains. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, no. Um, so I worked at, when I was at uni, I worked at this music shop and, um, on the northern beaches of Sydney. And um, for some reason, I still can't remember the details, but I was loaned my boss's car. He, or someone there, yeah. And it was a Ford Escort, so it was a little panel van. And I was literally borrowing this car for about a week, so it wasn't my car. I turned up at a mate's place, and his sister, who was about a year or two older than me and him, she walked out and she said, looked at me in disgust. What are you doing driving that sin bin? You know, like real disgust, because I was driving a car that was associated with having sex in the back. I mean, bring that forward to 2017, it'd be like, no problem, whatever. You know? So that was a, just a teenage girl, she was probably 19, and her values were much more aligned to this. Now society's values are going way, and the danger for young people particularly is they think that's the norm. They think, you know, sexualised Instagram and all these other things are okay, but what we need to do as Christians is come back to this and go, what does God say? What does God say about this subject? What does God say about this thing? When I'm watching something, what would Jesus think? Would Jesus and the boys sit down and watch this? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't be watching it. Maybe my family shouldn't be watching it. Thank you.